0: Welcome to this latest edition of the real Real podcast. I'm your host, Will Joe Quinn, building this on a Wednesday. Uh, I apologize for the late release. Uh, this episode normally drops on a Wednesday, real, where you, uh, or normally i am normally record on a Tuesday and drop the episode on a Wednesday, but playing from, uh, playing from, you know, a little behind, but you know, we, you know, we, uh, we pushed through, and I'm definitely looking forward to this episode. A lot to do on a uh, busy, busy episode. Episode nine forty two, NFL Week eighteen. Uh, we have finally reached the point of the postseason after a long NFL season. And uh, this season, you know, normally NFL season flies by. I don't. This season, kind of, there were some dead spots in this season. I think. What happened was a lot of these games, and we talked about it earlier in the podcast during the course of the season, a lot of these games got backloaded to where, if you remember, I, I would say the first seven to eight weeks, I mean, how many big-time games did we have uh, in the first couple months of the season? Like, it really wasn't until, like, November that we got some uh, multiple weeks, multiple games over the course of a week that were actually you know, excellent matchups. And then some of the matchups didn't pan out, <laughs> like Dallas, uh, Dallas, San Francisco, San Francisco, Philadelphia, um, and, you know, Buffalo, Miami the first time. So, I, you know, the season was okay. Uh, regular season was okay. I, I give it like a B minus, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so so I'm, def- I'm definitely looking forward to the postseason, uh, there's not a dominant team by any stretch of the imagination. We will, I will have my postseason pres- predictions excuse me, predictions later on in the episode. But as always, we begin with themes and all the thoughts. Themes. thank you, Jaguars. And damn, he's good. The Jacksonville Jaguars made it so that the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills uh, made the playoffs. And even the Buffalo game, and even the Buffalo game, even had Buffalo lost, they still would have been in the playoffs. So the Jacksonville Jaguars with a putrid, just, just awful performance against Tennessee, Tennessee a Tennessee team who, by the way, is looking for a new coach. That's how bad Jacksonville was. You got to, you also a team that fired their coach and lost to them. You know, it, the game was again, it was it was an ugly game to watch. And Jacksonville certainly should be just absolutely ashamed of themselves in terms of how they laid down and played. Uh, in that particular game, we'll talk more about them. But of course, just this transcendent rookie performance over the course of a season by one CJ Stroud. He, you know, we know that he is, though pun intended, the real deal. And somebody's gonna be around hopefully for a long time, injury withstanding. We'll talk more about him in the deep dive. All the thoughts, down back, the Buffalo Bills, Robert Saps. Buffalo Bills are back in the playoffs for the fifth straight year, Um, fourth straight AFC East title. They get by the Miami Dolphins in a game that was, you know, kind of, you know, was a uh, microcosm of their season. Um, You saw some bad Buffalo, and you saw some, you know, adjustments at halftime, but then you saw the defense just put on a show in the second half, and Josh Allen and company make enough plays to get by the Miami Dolphins, who of course had some had a lot of injuries, of course, on their defensive line, uh, Phillips and Chubb. But they still were at home, and it, was, it definitely was a winner game for Miami. But give Buffalo all the credit in the world, shutting out Miami in the second half of that game. And listen, I, I think this is really one of the more remarkable in-season turnarounds. Uh, that I've seen in, in, in you know in a few years because Buffalo at five and five Buffalo looked dead as a doorknob like so they lost they lose a Denver game and you're looking at this team is like and I, I think I said this right after the pod said this during the week of that podcast this is a team that's just there there's not they're not a playoff team so people are looking at this because there's no way. This team is making the playoffs. I I had thoughts, you know, in my mind, will McDermott make it through the make it through the season, the way they were playing? Like that's how bad it was. And you have to give the organization. You have to give McDermott. You have to give the players. Again, all the credit in the world. Uh, They fought through the crisis, the football crisis aspect of their season, and they win. The last five straight games against tough opponents, by the way. You know, they're talking talking about Kansas City, talking about Miami, Dallas. It was not – that schedule was brutal down the stretch. And they did it with physicality. Josh Allen made enough plays. Uh, now, he still did some dumb shit with some of the, internals, the interceptions, but he kind of cut down on those as the season went along. And they found the identity as far as getting that, to, as far as running the football. You look at Buffalo, last part of their season, up. um look at Buffalo, they only lost two games where they rushed for over 100 yards over the course of their season. So that really was, and the last, you know, in their five-game winning streak, they rushed for 118, 266, 105, 127, and 128 yards. The course of that, uh, over that, over the course of that uh, stretch. And again, defensively, we talked about their defense, their defense not being up to par during the course when they were uh, dropping games. You know, defensively, they give up, again, the last five games 10, 17, 10, 22, 21, 14. But mostly, you know, holding their opponents in check. New uh, England obviously didn't do much against them. That, that was a, a late touchdown. So, they listen, they did what they absolutely had to do. And, again, I I did not see this coming as far as them being able to rebound from uh, what looked to be a completely lost season. I really thought that this team was dead, and, and I did not think that they would – uh, I didn't think they would make the playoffs. I thought the EF, the AFC was too deep. Now again, I didn't foresee you know Joe Burrow with the injury. Uh, that was certain. You know, that certainly helped so much in eliminating one team that you thought that you thought was going to be a playoff team. A team that almost still almost still made the playoffs. You give them a lot of credit. But you know, we talk all the time about culture and how important the culture is, and and you know the foundation. You know the culture of your of, of your of your franchise is the foundation. And uh that culture their culture stood up in a major way uh over the course of this last month and uh, month and a half. And it started really started back with the Philadelphia game. That was the game where even in defeat we learned it was a brutal overtime loss. That was a game where they clearly outplayed Philadelphia. They made just too many mistakes but I saw enough to say That they um, were not done. I saw enough to say that this team could possibly still make a run uh, to the postseason, and that this team uh, that this team possibly could make a run to the postseason. I I I wasn't all in on them doing that during that time, but I I did see enough to say. That uh, they still had some gas left in the tank, so so we're back in the playoffs, and they will go in as again one of the more dangerous teams in the uh, in all the playoffs, without question. Because listen, and, you know you compare Buffalo, you compare you know this team to past Buffalo teams in the last couple of years in the Josh Allen McDermott era. They're not as talented as some of those teams were. Um, they still finish. You know, they see me with a top ten defense, top ten offense in certain metrics, top, you know, six offense, top four offense, top six defense. So and they still, you know, had one of the best point differentials in uh the football, in football. But you know, the talent level is not quite what it was, but again, how many times do we see have we seen a team you know underachieved over the course of the regular season? Get hot at the end and make a strong run. Strong run in the playoffs. Now we haven't seen it recently. Let's be honest. They're, they're like, uh, there's only been one wild card team in the last uh, over the last decade that's made to the Super Bowl, and that's uh, that's one Super Bowl. That's you got to go back. That's of course the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of, of, of 2020. But there was a stretch in the early 2010s where those teams we. You know, Giants, uh, two thousand eleven, Packers, two thousand ten. There was a stretch where we had a number of wild card teams, either making it to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. So it is not out of the realms of possibility, certainly, that this Buffalo team could make a run uh, and and end up going to the Super Bowl. Will I kick them to do so? You know, we'll you know we'll see uh, over the course of this podcast. But they are going to be right there, um, and they. Again, they have all they have again, they what they have shown you is they have shown you a sort of uh, mental toughness and intestinal fortitude that they did not have earlier in the season and that we questioned throughout the course of the season, frankly that we've questioned last couple of years with this Buffalo Buffalo team. Yeah, they you have they have the talent. We think the coach is very good, but can their could their culture abstain uh their culture survive major adversity within uh you know within a, a football season and, and and make a run and you know so far uh so far this season that was the case and they will find themselves again in the playoffs and we'll certainly look uh, we'll you know we'll see what happens with that so CJ Stroud um, frankly had one of the great rookie seasons not just by a quarterback but frankly by a player, in maybe the last twenty years, if not longer. Um to under, to like to put it in perspective, this team was three thirteen thirteen and one last year. Okay. I'll repeat three thirteen and one. They go from that to being ten and seven this year. Right? Thirtieth in total offense to thirteenth in total offense. It is very rare that you see a rookie at any position, let alone quarterback, have this type of impact immediately on the team, on, on the franchise, and they immediately turn that team into a winning franchise. We've seen many quarterbacks, Hall of Fame guys, get the shit kicked out of them year one, and it take one, two, sometimes even three years for them to break through. Uh the likes of Montana, Montana, Aikman, um, Lee Manning, those guys were not winning at a high level at the beginning, like right away in their first year, or were not in their rookie years, in their rookie year making having this level, having this type of impact on the game and on, on the winning. Now, Hurley Manning's first year we knew that this dude was gonna be special, even though they were three and thirteen. You could just I mean, the talent still came out despite the fact that he had more interceptions and touchdowns. It was just the fact that they just that team was, you know, abysmal. But we we knew what Peyton Manny was about. Uh that eventually what they once they put the pieces around him, that they would flourish, he would flourish, and of course the rest was, was history. But again, you have to understand how this team is not a lot, this team does not have a lot of talent. They're not. They don't have pole bowlers up and down the board. They don't. They. I mean, they have. You know, Nico Collins is a very good player. Okay. They don't. They don't have all world talent on the defensive end. They have. A, they have a great scheme. Uh, they are extremely well coached. Nico Ryan certainly could be. Is in the conversation of coach of the year, and deserves a lot, deserves a lot of credit as well, but. Again, they, this was not only one of the worst teams in the league, more importantly, we just discussed it. We just discuss, discussed about how good Buffalo's culture was this year and how that turned their season around. Well, Houston last year and coming into the season had one of the worst cultures in all of football. It was a laughing stock. They were getting clowned for how they handled, how they traded all their talent away. of O'Brien and the ownership and how the owner basically was allowing a guy who knew nothing about football to make decisions or to have his ear. And it was a, it was a shit show in that front office. It it really was. They have completely turned that around to a point because once you get the quarterback, everything else, frankly, should fall into place. Like once you get a quarterback, once you get that quarterback, that's that dude, your team, you know, you have a couple years for a Super Bowl window with him on a rookie contract, and you should be able to, you know, to easily put the pieces or put the pieces around him. The hardest part is getting that, that quarterback. You can ask eighty to eighty-five percent of the league, and they'll be almost they will be about half the league would be looking for a new quarterback, about of not half, but forty percent of the league would be looking for a new quarterback uh this season, uh in the offseason. Again. I think of players. When I was thinking about this. There were some rookies who in who had immediate impact on winning at a high level. The guy, you know, the guy that stood out. Now, from a rookie standpoint, Ben Roethlisberger, right? Two thousand three Steelers was six and ten. Roethlisberger comes in uh, after a couple games. They went thirteen and zero with him a year later, and of course, he of course he uh, they lost to New England in the. uh, AFC in the uh, conference championship uh 41 27. But that Pittsburgh team that Pittsburgh team was loaded with defensive talent, Jerome bettis, a great running game, you know, Willie Parker Jr. as, as a second back along with drone bettis. I mean, they Pittsburgh always those teams were loaded from a from a physical standpoint, from a, again, from a talent standpoint. They had excellent talent. He was he was he was, of course, the missing piece. They, of course, win but win two Super Bowls with him over the course of his Hall of Fame career. So that's the quarterback that I compare. Uh, you know, you want to say Andrew Luck? You know what Indianapolis was in 2011 versus 2012? Okay, he has to be in that conversation. But again, this is different because, again, this team. Uh, you look at this team on paper you look at, again, the, the organization, the culture, it's not to say it, it, they just don't have a lot of talent. They just don't. And, you know, we'll get more into the game later on in the podcast, but, you know, this guy is moving like a like he's been in the league for five years. The guy that stood out to me in terms of probably having one of the greatest rookie seasons as far as impact on winning, I really thought about this, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott in, 80, in 81 was a rookie. He comes in the year before in the 80. Uh, San Francisco had, was 6-10, right? DeBerg, Steve DeBerg, and Joe Montana split time as quarterback. The offense scores, you know, 320 points, okay? Next year, the following year, Montana becomes a full-time quarterback. You draft Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott is all pro as a rookie, pro Bowl. The defense goes from giving up 420 points in 80 to giving up only 250 points in uh, 81, and Ronnie Lott finishes uh, six in the MVP ballot, MVP voting, which is just absolutely unheard of for for a safety or oh, cornerback. He was a cornerback then. He ended up transitioning to safety later on, in, like midway towards uh, of his career when it became, you know. Was an all-pro at both safety and cornerback, which is why I think he like the guy was the best defensive back that I ever saw. Like in terms of complete defensive back, cornerback, safety, there there was nobody better than Ryan Light, in my opinion. So that is in that is having an impact immediately on winning, immediately. And that's what CJ. That's what CJ Stroud has done. You go again. You go ten and seven. 10 and seven. In a tough conference, like the AFC is at the, the AFC is a tough conference. We'll talk more about how great the AFC North is, but there there's a lot of talent, a lot of quality teams in the AFC. NFC was top heavy this year. The AFC was by far the better conference out of the two conferences as far as balance. Maybe it wasn't, you know, in Baltimore end up being, you know, end up. Be the best regular season team this year. So, his rookie season, this is a historic rookie season, to say the least. This is absolutely one of the great quarterback rookie seasons of all time. And I really thought, and I really think that Lamar Jackson, of course, is going to run away with the MVP. I think Stroud, I think he should be second, even over Dak Prescott. Because Dak Prescott played in a, you know, like a horrible division, and he, Dak Prescott has more. Has a lot, a way more, a ton more of a weapons, a lot more weapons than, than C, like than uh, CJ Stroud. Dallas, a, you know, Dallas is a better team than Houston, uh, from top to bottom. Houston doesn't have Dallas's defense in the least bit. It's not even close. So, if I had an MVP MVP vote, Stroud would be uh, second. This is second to one Lamar Jackson. Game of the week. Uh Houston, Indianapolis. Uh, this is a bitter pill to swallow if you're in Indianapolis. Now, again, I know you didn't have your quarterback who you think who, they, who people think is going to be very good in Richardson. I get it. But boy, you lose a game, you lose a do or die game on at home. Uh, and the guy, you know, catches the ball. You know, the guy drops the ball, was running before he was running, uh, before he had to put his hands on the ball. Before you know, he went, I was looking up field before he had gathered the ball. Listen, lot, there were people that were killing the play call saying, you know, you don't lose with a guy who's not one of your best players. Jonathan Taylor is your running back, giving the ball. Okay, that hindsight is 20, 20 and maybe even some people who were saying that even before play, here's the bottom line. Catch the damn ball. It was by the way, it was not a well thrown ball. And gardner you. said as much. gardner Mishu to his credit, took the heat uh in the post game press conference and it did literally took all the all the you know everything off the receiver. Uh, but but you gotta catch that football. Like you had you're a professional wide receiver. You have to catch that football. You have to catch that football. It was a great the play was executed to perfection. They were easily with a guy first down, easily. Yeah, with the momentum but they had probably would have went in and scored a touchdown, more than likely. So that's a killer killer loss for Indianapolis. And again, Indianapolis was not a Super Bowl contender. They weren't going anywhere in the playoffs, but still. You you have a, a, a do-or-die game on your home field. Those are hard losses uh, to take, but give C.J. Stroud the credit take his team down, took his team down in that last drive. Again, just the amount of control that he has of the offense, the just very intangibles that he has in terms of running running a team at in the pocket that you just can't teach. He does stuff that you absolutely cannot teach. And, you know, look at, look at him from a character standpoint, how humble he is. Sky, you know, at the end of the game, see shedding tears and just says all the right things and says all the right things without sounding like, you know, he's like has a, uh, without sounding like a politician, without sounding like he's trying too hard, without sounding like he has to say everything, like he, he, you know, is, like I said, running for office. Basically, without sounding like Russell Wilson. That's 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 what I really want to say, to be honest with you so this is this guy is a special player that's a tough loss a bitter loss for the, for indianapolis but hopefully they their quarterback can stay healthy next year and we'll see uh what happens um what happens with the colts uh next year stock up um stock down stock up let's go stock down first i mean i'm gonna go stock down first we did it last week let's let's keep that um keep that same energy this week. Jacksonville is is stocked down. You there's no way at six and two and eight and three that you should have missed the playoffs. There's like there's no way. It, like all season long, I never was buying Jacksonville because you would look at the numbers, you would look at the point differential and you would just say to yourself, they were like when they were doing it with uh smoke and mirrors basically. And those like they those teams, those type of teams, the ball normally drops the following year. Like what happened in Minnesota this year versus all the close games they were winning uh, the previous year. So that that normally evens out it evens itself out in the following year. Rarely will you see it happen in season, the way especially the way it happened in Jacksonville. Again, performance against Tennessee they looked like they looked lifeless in that game. Like Tennessee, you literally know what Tennessee is going to do. They're going to give the call to Derrick Henry, who may have played his last game as a tight. Probably did play his last game as a tight. You know, give Mike Vrabel credit for having his team up for that game. Probably knowing that he was going to get fired. I'm sure that didn't come out of any. Didn't come out of nowhere. So I give him a lot of credit from, from that standpoint. But uh, Jacksonville has a lot to be a lot of soul searching to do in the offseason because it was inexcusable for them not to make the playoffs this year. And again, I never bought them as a legit contender, even despite some of the wins that they had. They just they never impressed me. They just it was just always like, okay, they won the game, but they won the game, but um, yeah. I don't see anything. I, I don't see what they're going to do in the postseason, and it turns out that they don't even get to the postseason now. They have an really interesting offseason because you. This is the, Lawrence came that twenty twenty one draft. You had to pay him. You have to you. Have, you're going to have to give him a large contract extension this this year, and you're going to have to give him franchise quarterback money. Now he's not going to become the highest paid quarterback of all time. Not going to get that that much money, but he's he's going to get close to. He's going to get close to Lamar Jackson, A Herbert. Excuse me, it's Bobby A Herbert. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow money. he's gonna really get close. It's not gonna get. It's not gonna be that that much far off because the bottom line is, if you are a if you have you if you're a quarterback with any amount of talent, and he's still a franchise caliber quarterback in my opinion. I still think that like that amount of talent that talent is there, but you have to pay him. And they have no choice but to pay him. Like they really are paying in a place where they, yeah, he will get paid. And you know it'll be interesting. They'll have about they'll have one more year because his first year, his deal. A lot of these deals, even when these guys get the massive extensions, they they don't eat a lot into the salary cap that first year. But trust me, that second year, that salary will go up anywhere from ten to fifteen million dollars against your cap, and you're gonna start to lose talented players. Around them, you know, we know how this goes once quarterbacks get paid. The problem for Jacksonville is they don't have a lot of talent around him. That's the problem; they don't have a lot of offensive talent around them. So they're going to have to do they're going to do uh, a, a Yeoman's job as far as drafting and again player development, which frankly is, is underrated. To be honest with you, in all in sports, uh, you know, people talk about free agencies and always and making trades. If you develop your own players in the the right way. Um, that will go. That can really go a long way with uh, in terms of your franchise winning some games. I think sometimes that player, that player development piece gets overlooked uh, in, in sports. So, but they are absolutely stocked down. Just they, they should be. They're they're to be the most disappointing team in the league. I will they're up there. I think about who would be the most disappointing team in the league. All. A lot of people might say Philadelphia right now, but Jacksonville is certainly up there as one of the biggest disappointments of the 2023 season. Stock up the AFC, the NFC, AFC North. Uh, everybody finishes l- at least one game over 500. Baltimore comes in as a favorite to get to a Super Bowl, and a lot in some people's eyes to win a Super Bowl. Cleveland is the one of the most dangerous teams in football right now. A team that certainly no one wants to play. Baltimore doesn't want to play them, even though. Even though they won't publicly say that, but uh, I'm a Baltimore fan. I would want no part of the Cleveland Browns. And you know, Pittsburgh makes the playoffs 17 straight winning seasons. There's nothing to shush at. If you, I'm telling you right now, again, I people get on Tomlin. Um, they haven't been a, a championship Cowboy team in about a decade. But the bottom line is, you go 17 years without a losing season. That again, that is is under is. In today's age, it's almost impossible to do that. It really is. I mean, look what's happening happening to Bill Belichick, or oh, what happened to Bill Belichick. But by the way, they have not had a, a quality quarterback in about five or six years. Those last two or three Roethlisberger years were not good. And they, frankly, right now they don't have a quarterback. You have you know Pickett's hurt, and I don't think he's I don't think he's that good. And Mason Rudolph is. Is Mason Rudolph. I mean, what can you say? Miss, you know, you, you talk about Mitchell Trubisky. Like, they don't have a quarterback. So, Tomlin deserves all the credit in the world for giving that, getting that team to this point. Uh, still got a very good defense, but they don't have it. Like, they haven't had a quarterback in a, in a while now, a, 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 a championship Hall of Fame-type quarterback. They haven't. Like, they haven't had that top guy in a minute. But, again, the bottom never falls out. And they never. We talk about cultures. They never accept losing. Like taking uh, high draft picks. That 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 type of shit doesn't even exist in their in their in their world. They're not even thinking like that ever. No matter how no no matter how bad we say they are at times. I and you know, no matter how bad they were offensively this season. No matter and I, I saw some of the predictions. I I didn't think Pittsburgh was going to be any good this season. I'd be for. I I did not. For sure, think they would be a playoff team by any stretch of imagination. I, I think that. But every year, but but you know, year in year out, they, you know, get the most. They they don't embarrass themselves, and they don't. And that's just you know, again, they're not down with the tanking with, with the uh, tanking shit. Is that's just not going to happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers at all. So, and 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 Cincinnati. Finally, I you know. Last but not least, the Bengals did a hell of a job this year. I mean, you lose Joe Burrow, was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, a guy who led you to uh Super Bowl appearance a couple of years ago. A lot, I'm telling you, a lot of teams would have to completely went to the tank. Completely went to went into the tank. So you got to give Zach Taylor and that coaching staff all the credit in the world keeping that keeping that team together. And again. We're seeing, we're, we're, we're seeing some shift in cultures uh, in the NFL. Cleveland, Cincinnati, like, even, you know, I guess next year would be a better indication, but maybe even with the Houston Texans. But this, by far, was the best division in football. Week in and week out, the games were great. Um, again, I hope we get the Cleveland Baltimore game in a divisional round. Right? That that would be that's that 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 would be an absolute bloodbath, you know, double chin sap type game. And again, Baltimore, you don't want any part of the Cleveland Browns in playoffs. I mean, I'm just telling you, you just don't if you're Baltimore. NFC Championship, yes, but not not uh not the not you don't want that to be your first playoff game in a divisional round. Who the week? Um, I would have to say the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Green Bay Packers. They finished nine and eight. They started out the season two and six. I think the game that probably turned their season around. They they had a big time performance on Thanksgiving against Detroit, and that kind of propelled them. I thought to. Um, just some, to doing some good things. Again, this is not a talented team. This is not. Um, Jordan Love finishes his f- first season as a starting quarterback, three 30, with 32 touchdowns. No Pro Bowl players on the offense, okay? So if you're a Green Bay, you have your quarterback. You absolutely have your quarterback. And now it's a matter, of, again, putting the proper pieces around him. And really we we build that defense. The defense that defense should be better. I know they have had a few injuries, but that defense that defense should be better than what it what it is. But the most important piece you have and they have some young talent on the on, on the outside with the receivers. Most importantly, you, you have uh the trigger man, uh, Jordan Love. And, you know, follow again. Following one of the all time greats in Aaron Rodgers first year, um, Similar to what Rodgers did with Brett Favre. if he goes out there, plays well, and you know, sets the team up for, again for the future. But unlike Aaron Rodgers, he Green Bay did miss the playoffs that Rodgers' first year in twenty in two thousand eight. Uh love leads the team to the playoffs. And again, that'll be a very interesting game to say at least against the Dallas Cowboys. So it was the Green Bay Packers that absolutely won the week. I could also throw in Eric Stolstra as well, right? but with, with his new contract extension for a head coach, which is for a NBA coach, which is the highest in NBA history. But, you know, we we were doing, doing the NFL, doing the football here. Well, for, for preview and predictions, I'm just going to give you my Super Bowl predictions. Uh, so, you have some hit and miss games. Um, I don't like the Philadelphia-Tampa. Excuse me. I don't like the Philadelphia-Tampa Bay game at all. I hate that game. Neither one of these teams are, are fun to watch play right now. It's on a Monday night. I, I just I don't that that game. Now again, that game will have some will have some serious ramifications. So let me get to that. Let me get to that. Well, all right, let me get to that story first. So there are some rumblings within the NFL community that, and within the media that Sirianni uh, could be out as as Philadelphia's head coach. That there's a thought that he is, uh, that they are, that that, the help being fired is being put into play. And if he loses, if they lose, if they don't at least get to the Super Bowl, They're losing either this round or the divisional round that he's going to be on, that he's going to be gone. And I think what this is, is I think Philadelphia is making a power play for Jim Harbaugh. I think that's what this is. Because Soriani's record has been great the first three years. He made the playoffs in the first three years. He went to, you you know, came out short in the Super Bowl, but that was just last year. So there's really no reason to fire him Based on performance and record, even with the collapse this season, that team, they they need a lot of defensive help. And they they you know, their front office has done a bad job uh this year with, you know, with uh filling that team with the with the, uh, team, filling that team, getting that team the pieces that they needed defensively. You know, it's rested on their laurels uh for the past couple of years, from last for the Super Bowl year, and that was a mistake. But this is about Jim Harbaugh to me. I think they are making their play to go after the Hardball. Who I would be shocked. Hardball is not coaching in the NFL this year. There, there, there. Possibly, will be two premium jobs that would be up for grabs in in regards to that. And we'll talk more about that when we are real thoughts. But in terms, of Super Bowl, in terms of Super Bowl predictions, I have Cleveland and San Francisco. Those are my predictions for the two teams that were. I, I have Cleveland and San Francisco. I may be reaching with the Cleveland one, but I just feel I I, again with the defense, how they play down the stretch, and and having a quarterback one of the few quarterbacks in that can say this that has left in this tournament that has led a team to a Super Bowl and also won Super Bowl MVP. So, I I'll take Cleveland. I'll take Cleveland versus San Francisco in the Super Bowl. I have San Francisco winning it all, um, and Brock Purdy. You know, probably shutting a lot of people, shutting a lot of people. I mean, y'all probably will still criticize them because y'all, y'all will say the defense and running game carried them. But whatever. Um, Houston-Cleveland game is fascinating to me. I want to see how CJ Stroud deals with that defense. That is a real defense with a guy who is one of the best defensive players in the league, Miles Garrett, who didn't play well down the stretch, by the way, but still, he's still Miles Garrett. Uh, that'll be a fun game to watch. Dallas-Green Bay, I mean, you want to get to this McCarthy th- stuff short. Sure. Listen, Dallas has – Green Bay has owned Dallas in the postseason over the last, I mean, shit, roughly half decade. they even going back further back then. And they have beaten Dallas wherever. They beat them in Bamboo. They beat them in Dallas. They, have like, just be you know, a, a major – a launching pad type victory – uh, for Jordan Love, he pulls this off. There's no way Green Bay should win that game. There's no way that Green Bay should win that game. But again, we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys. This is who we're talking about here. So that, uh, that game could go either way. I can see a Green Bay win or a Dallas blowout. I can't see Miami, frankly. It doesn't – frankly, the way those two teams are – the direction that those two teams are heading, it, it doesn't that. that game just doesn't excite me. Is the way it should. It really, like, I'll be honest with you. Uh I don't think either one of those teams are Super Bowl contenders. And we are getting, I think, C-rated versions of both those teams compared to where they were early in the regular season. We are seeing both those teams at their – to me, at their absolute worst – Um. To be honest with you, I have no faith in either one of those teams, and you know, I I don't I expect the game to be okay, but I just don't like how how I don't like how Kansas City is best played all season long, and we know how how Miami has struggled against some of the upper upper echelon uh, upper echelon uh, teams. Now, Miami is banged up on the defensive line. The problem is Kansas City's passing game. And their offense is, you know, is frankly has been bad throughout the course of the season. They've had they had a they played bad offensive football. Last game to me of the weekend, I, I the, the game I would be utterly glued to is Detroit Los Angeles. Just the, the Jared Golf Bowl. Uh, also, I mean the Matthew listen the Matthew Stafford Bowl. You talk about two clubs that would trade for trade for one another, along with picks um, as you know the Rams maintained their recent tradition the tradition of not having a first round pick. It worked out for the Rams in twenty twenty one. They win the Super Bowl. Um, but Detroit comes into this game being the favorite. I uh, listen. I really liked how the Rams played this season. I've talked about the Rams a lot on this pod on this podcast, especially in, in the past say month or so. Uh. That's gonna be a tough game for Detroit. It's gonna be a very tough game for Detroit. Um, I don't think the I think the Rams will be able to contain Detroit's running game. And they're gonna put the hand, they're gonna make Jared Goff beat them. They are. They're absolutely gonna make Jared Goff beat them. And we'll see if Jared Goff is is up to the task. But I they you Detroit will not run all over the Rams. They they will that's going to, they're gonna take that away. They're gonna take that away. That run game. They're gonna take absolutely take that away. Let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, Getting into some some pop culture. Um, I don't know if anybody got a chance. I'm sure you know, you're a comedy fan. You saw this special. Uh, Dave Chappelle, The Dreamer, his latest Netflix special, and I frankly I watched it twice. I was more impressed the first time I watched it. Maybe because the anticipation. Maybe because you know I'm just absolutely a uh, uh, you know uh, Dave Chappelle you know, fanatic and you know, follows his career, you know, seemingly for, well, you know, forever. Uh well maybe not when he's a teenager going when he was in his twenties, but basically from the time he had his first HBO special on to, up until this point was been well over twenty plus years. I gotta say, like this the special was probably the weakest that he's that he's ever had. I got just gotta be honest about it. It was I think okay at best. Um, it felt lazy. It felt like Dave was kinda like a was kinda like a hitter who can't decipher is this a fastball or a curve and gets kind of caught caught in between. I felt like Chappelle was in between, okay, do I still do some of these jokes about transgender and Or do I completely um, go away from that subject matter and and go focus on some complete, complete new material? And I think he did, he chose the middle. And that's no place to, in between is no great, it's not a great place to be. Not a great place to be in life, uh, let alone when you're doing a craft. Now, listen, Bruce Chappelle, we, the standard that he's held to, that I hold him to as the greatest comedian of all time, stand up comedian of all time, which he is, it's not, folks, it's not even close. I mean, let, let's be perfectly honest. I know people, there are people that I try to argue against Spell for that, you know, he's only had this amount of class, classics. And it's just, I, it's, it's hard, it's almost impossible to listen to. Like, Spell like, has, like, there's no one that even remotely comes close to having more pop stand-up performances than Dave Chappelle. Nobody else is close. It's not even close, to be honest with you. This is a guy who has absolutely transcended comedy. And again, I'm not one of these comedic watchers who has to laugh at every joke and who gauges a performance that, based on how much I laugh, Dave Chappelle changed that he took that to another level. Like, I can, you're talking about, Bruce Sparrow is not, forget about as a comedian, he is one of the great communicators that we've seen, Uh, you know, whether it like, I'll put him up there with any politician, anybody, um, anybody that does anything in regards to, commu- to communication, uh, Broadway, theater, whatever. He's one of the great, commu- singers, he is one of the great communicators of our time. Pure and simple. Pure and simple. Rap, whatever, whatever. Whatever genre you, we we want to put him in, uh, compare him to. He is one of the best, best of ever. It goes beyond. Com- it goes beyond comedy, More comedy. So I hope. So I think the world of Dave Chappelle as a comedian. But this special wasn't it. It just wasn't. It was okay. Like I said, it was okay, and that's fine. Like every. <laughs> And, you know, I'm sure Michelangelo has some paintings that wasn't were not his greatest. Everything wasn't like the what the Sistine Cha- Sistine Chapel. Like it just, it, come on, it just it, it is what it is. It's art uh, and everything. You know, every Michael Jackson album wasn't this super classic. There was a uh, Invincible. That shit was bad. that shit was trash. And I love Michael Jackson. But that, he used to go as well. But that shit Invincible was was garbage. It was it was, it was a bad album. This was not a bad this wasn't a bad uh, comedy special, but for him, for Dave Chappelle, it was bad. We it we're gauging it by the type of work that we know he can do that he has done before. So it's fine. Um uh, again, okay, this is I, you're looking at his IMB dude, this is the weakest special that I've seen him have. I mean, I'm beyond to be honest, with you. and it, just, it just stands out. But it wasn't bad, you know, against other comedians. Versus other comedians work? Yeah, this work this might be considered good. But Chappelle does not get get, get gauged against other comedians. He's in essence competing against himself. I mean the gap between him and the second best comedian is 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 is, is you know is is a pretty is a large one to say the least. Is a it's a major gap. And you know, he's almost rendered the second greatest comedian, second best comedian. Who is the second best comedian right working right now? Will Burr? Godfrey? Like I don't know Andrew Schultz. I don't know. Like who is it? Who is it? It almost it almost even it almost doesn't matter. It's how good Chappelle, great Chappelle is. Donnell Rollins, but um, this one was just okay, and that's fine. So, um, couple things before I let you go. Uh, just a major shift, a changing of uh the guards, so to speak, in, in the world of in the world of football, as far as from a coaching from a coaching standpoint today, uh, you have Nick Saban and Pete Carroll both, well, in different ways. You have Nick Saban walking away, because there's, you know, he didn't there's he, there's no way he got pushed out. Pete Carroll, in essence, pushed out of Seattle uh as head coach uh after 14 years uh with the with the Seahawks. He's in essence he you know, they, don't, they out of respect for him and what he's done for that franchise and accomplished. They would not want to outright call it a firing, but it basically it basically was a firing. Like let's be let's keep it a buck. Um, and you know, Pat, Carol probably you know uh, Carol probably was done in essence probably three or four years ago. Like he yeah like that. You could have got this move could probably should have made. Um, like I said, this, this move probably should have been made after 2021. You sort the with you. Twenty-one, definitely up to last year. So, who's out? The uh, suits, like I, and again, his heart. I was looking, at, looking at his record. Yeah, he probably will get Pete Carroll. Probably will get into the Hall of Fame, but it's not. It's not a slam dunk. To be perfectly honest with you, it's not a slam dunk. He, you know, his total career record one seventy and one twenty. One, you know, that's one Super Bowl win. With the back-to-back Super Bowls, yeah, it's has a number of playoff appearances, but it's—I I, don't—it's not as—it's I mean, not as as much of a uh, lock and key as you as you would think. To be honest with you, I'll probably get in, but um, I think what hurt Carol, what what will hurt him, what you know, what. Will hurt him is what happened once. Once that defense started getting older, and once they went away from the physical defense and the physicality of the running game, and gave the keys to Russell Russell Wilson, and nothing happened after that. And I, I you, it'll be always one of those great football conversations. Why couldn't Carroll and that team continue to win at a high level? With having a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson, now we agree that Russell Wilson was not a was not an, is not an all time great quarterback. He'll probably end up in the Hall of Fame. He's not a guy who makes who raises the level of uh, players around him. You know, it makes receivers great, but still, when you know those seasons, West not Westbrook, um, Wilson was still a legit top five quarterback in the league, top eight quarterback in the league. And if you have that guy, you should be able to put a championship caliber team around him. So they made a number of bad moves, didn't draft well, didn't develop a lot of talent. Maybe I mean outside like DK Metcalf. Give me some of the talented players that Seattle's had, especially defensively that they've had uh, over, you know, the course of the last five to six, five to seven years, minus the Legion of Boone. So it, it absolutely was the right time for, for Cal to go. Um, he leaves as, again, the most successful coach in the history. of That franchise, he will stay on in an advisory role. That job is it's an okay job. It's not a great job. It's a, they have a pretty good team. They're coming off back to back nine eight seasons, like a lot of teams. They don't have a quarterback. They like that. The quarterback situation, you know, Geno Smith that quarterbacks. They they one hundred percent need a quarterback. But you know, that's about like I said. That's about sixty percent of 70 percent of the league. Um, not surprised by this move, by this happening. Not, not at all. As far as Nick Saban goes. Um. Obviously, his legacy is one of the great, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college football coach of all time. Uh, this moves a little bit surprising, but not too much surprising because here, here's the thing: Nick Saban. One, he's seventy two years old, so we always have we you know, we always have to take this that into consideration when when a guy retires, you know. These, you know, these guys, college football, pro football. It is, you know, and college football to a lesser extent than pro football, maybe. But still, you're out there. Just, you, I know Nick, you can. I know you can delegate with recruiting. But Nick Saban, I don't know how much delegation he does do. I, mean, I Nick Saban, to me is a more of a hands on as far as running that program. He has been the signature person. The straw the serves drink of that program since he got there, and I don't think Nick Saban, I don't think Nick Saban was longed for what college football has become with the NIL transfer portal. I just think I think that I just think he want to deal with that shit no more. To be honest with you, I got six national championships, and you also have to take into consideration. He's a, he has a Nick Saban has a and like a, like a lot of great coaches have. He, he does have a lot of pride. I'm sure he's watched. and He's very close friends with with what Bill with with um, with Belichick. I'm sure he's watched that unfold this year and say, said to himself quietly, "That's that's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. It's like you're not going to see me. You were never going to. You're not going to see Nick Saban go eight and four or seven and five. That that just wasn't going to happen. He leaves. They you know Alabama made to the playoffs, lost a, a tough game to." Uh, uh Michigan, the eventual champion. Now he was out coached by Harbaugh, but fine. Harbaugh can outcoach anybody. We know how great of a coach he is. But Saban was not going out limping. He was not going out like Bobby Bowen. He was not going out like no. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna hang around and be uh and not so much tarnish my record, but you're not gonna just see me having an average to mediocre team. And Again, this is a combination of a lot of things. With, with when it comes to that, and again, he's coaching. He was he's been out there Alabama what, since 2007. It's a long time. 70, 70, you know, in today's age, that's a long time. It's a long time. And again, this college football, the landscape, of college football, the new playoff system, transfer portal, NIL. It's a different world out there. It's an absolute different world. I mean, these quarterbacks are worth. Guys are going to be worth. Are already millionaires. Uh right, Nick Saban. And not, there are some guys. There are some guys who just will not be able to make that transition of of having a player being bigger than them, and that's where it was headed. Now that, that's the, that's it that's it right there. Nick Saban was Alabama. You thought you thought about Alabama. You thought about Nick Saban. I I just don't think Nick Saban's ego can handle the fact that eventually, if he stayed, stayed along. Long enough that there was going to be a player that was better, that was more well known as far as more, dif- more identified with the program eventually than he was, or even, or even close to that. Now, let me say though, that, that's similar. what you're talking about. That is, is Nick Saban. That's not the point. The point is the the way the direction that Costco is going in is at right now. It's not, these traditions It's not about that anymore to, to an extent. This generation, enough. They don't care about Luke Rodney. You know, they don't care about Woody Hayes. They're like, yeah. Nick Saban, was, Nick Saban, was gonna get old real quick to this younger generation. And, you know, Saban smartly steps aside. Well, before I let you go, um part of the national championship, the game was like that was it was the game was horrible. Uh ironically, I was rooting for the two teams that that major championship game, I should have been rooting for Alabama, and Texas, because Alabama, and Texas would have been a far superior game. Uh, Michigan just, frankly, just pushed pushed uh, Washington all over the field. They just pushed them all over the field. It looked like a a varsity team playing a, a, a little league team, uh, playing a uh, you know a pee wee team, like they like it. It looked like Washington didn't even want to be on the field. Uh, the quarterback looked like he was throwing—he was throwing off balance the entire game. Um, and it was out of i actually picked Washington to win the game, but you know, of course, I was dead wrong from that standpoint. But uh, Alabama-Texas would have been a much better game. It's like a far superior game. And you know, listen, Michigan give Michigan a lot of credit. Uh, I don't hear anything about the Astros. I just look Jim Harbaugh, we know can coach uh with anybody. He's he's this guy's a great, 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 great coach. And he's proven it at both levels. I mean, he had San Francisco in the uh, conference championship. He rebuilt San Francisco the defensive franchise when they were down uh in the early two thousand tens. Um, you know. That you know he had they you know makes it they he takes him to the Super Bowl they lose the Super Bowl uh, to his brother John Harbaugh of course back in 2012 we know Jim Jim Harbaugh is a top coach and again I would be shocked if he's not in the NFL uh, this year uh, next year or this year and you uh, know I think you know the Chargers or Philadelphia that's where I think Jim Harbaugh lands and he will get a a handsome a, a route amount of money to say at least. Because that man can coach. You can see what you're going yeah. about him. The whole sign-stealing stuff was embarrassing, but it, to me it wasn't that big a deal to, to call their championship an asterisk. That's, we knew that this year there was not a dominant college uh, football team, and that this was a year where you could possibly, you know, steal a championship because we knew the SEC was somewhat down. those it was, was somewhat down. And, again, the Big 12 conference doesn't play any defense for the most part. So, um. Give Michigan all the credit. Uh, Hardball, I think we'll, you know, this is the, yeah, I, you know, I, I think Hardball out there, so we'll see what happens. With we'll, we'll see what happens and again. I, Philadelphia like thing, I that that reeks, that reeks to me of Hardball, of them wanting to, uh, want of them jumping into the uh, Hardball sweepstakes, absolutely does. That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast thanks for joining me this podcast will be out tomorrow again my apologies for the late being a day late so we'll but we will have this out as soon as possible enjoy the rest of the week enjoy your weekend so long hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low